Welcome to Greedwatch 2018. Normally a Common Rider O's recap podcast, but this is a very special episode. Woo! I'm Coriander Dickinson, and I have with me Josh A. Kagan. This is my fault! And Adam Wasserman. This is Josh's fault. Perfect. And we watched the film Jack and the Beanstalk from 1974. Why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why, Josh? Well, because, you know, over the last few years, uh, because this podcast has now stretched over multiple years, which is horrifying and amazing to me, you two have given me what can only be described as a gift. You have introduced me to the world of Common Rider, uh, Common Rider OOOs, all of the hysterical characters that have run around and all of the disgusting snot monsters and and mean kitty nurses and, and things of that nature. And and I looked at the calendar and didn't you know it, guys? It's why it's almost the holiday season. And I am on the receiving end of multiple years worth of gifts from you two. But I didn't get you to anything. And what is the holiday season about? If nothing else, then in the words of Mama from Chicago, reciprocity. I decided to gift to you two a little magical film from my childhood. Keeping within the theme of the show, still Japanese entertainment, my first exposure, and I want to say a lot of people my age is probably first exposure to anime, as Coriander said, 1974's self-proclaimed musical fantasia, Jack and the Beanstalk. You're welcome. So mad at you. (laughs) Sips beer triumphantly. How would you describe this movie, Adam? So I want to preface this by uh, admitting that I was really, really stoned when I watched this because I didn't think that I was going to make it through otherwise. Oh, by the way, you solved my riddle. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a feeling <laughs> that it was going to be necessary. So I don't know how good my retention is, but anyway. Uh, This is a movie about a dumbass who does a lot of dumbass stuff and eventually is rich at the end. (laughs) Although, although with no apparent change to his actual lifestyle in any way. This is, this is the big trouble in little China of anime movies because the protagonist is literally there to do like, in this case, two things and nothing else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The movie happens around Jack. It happens around almost everybody, because anytime there's like some kind of dangerous situation where you think like, oh, no, somebody's going to have to save somebody. Events conspire that this is not necessary. Like the owl that's trying to eat the cute mouse girl just gets tangled up in some vines through no planning or fault of anybody else. And things are just okay. It's like there's no stakes at all. It's as if an NPC became the star of his own movie. Like Jack, it's like does, a glitch. Jack does literally nothing. And by the way, Adam, glad to know you think that the mouse girl is cute. <laughs> she's obviously cute. I don't even know why that's a question. She's furthermore, she's much cuter as a mouse than a human, and I don't think that there's any by debate the way, about that either. How da- actually, kind of, how dare you? I think once she humans up, she is she she's like uh, she's gonna grow into her Laura Dern good looks. 
probably, mm, but mm. but she was definitely like I'm not saying she's not cute. Right. But she's cute. Right. But she's not as cute as when she was a cute little mouse. You wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating Swiss cheese. I would. I hate Swiss cheese. Weird. Oh. Um, <laughs> so can I talk can I talk very briefly about my brief history and uh kind of our fine country's brief history with this film? No, Please absolutely do. not. Sorry. So here goes. Mm. Uh, huh. So in 19, this movie is made in 1974, and it is the first feature-length animated production by this studio, which went on to uh, do Starship Yamamoto, which uh, us idiots in the U.S. who do not have anime backgrounds probably know as Star Blazers. And uh, it was released here by Columbia Pictures in, like, 1978. It played in theaters for, I want to say, like a week. Columbia Pictures. No, Columbia Pictures released it as a tax write-off more than anything else. Uh, and wow. so when it started to actually do okay, they straight up Bialystok and bloomed it. Like they just they pulled it from theaters. And they stopped so many old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> it uh the the few reviews that it got while it was in the theaters were uh Definitely not by people who are familiar with Japanese animation or dubbing or anything like that. I believe the guy from the New York Times said something along the lines of, this is the kind of movie where the grandfather and his grandson sit in stony silence, staring at the screen, loathing each other. Yes. Um, I see it early 1980s where it plays very briefly. Uh, I, I, I have friends who say that it played a lot on HBO. Uh, I didn't have it at the time. It popped up in syndication in that weird sort of like nether region on Saturday mornings between like noon when all of the regular normal person cartoons were over and say 2 p.m. when all of the stupid sports started. So mm -hmm. I probably saw this all of once or twice. It is then never shown in the United States again and only was released on DVD, I want to say, within the last decade, perilously briefly, and then whisked off the market again. So as a result, this is one of those weird things. And I, I, I feel like people younger than me probably don't experience this as much anymore, not to be okay boomer about this. But I feel like the 1980s was the last time that you could see something once on television and then never see it again and wonder if it, you know, as you got older, like, I wonder if this is a thing that I dreamt because yes. not everybody saw this. And so you would really have to like, no, it was like this real fucked up Jack and the Beanstalk where Jack gets beaten with a broom and everybody's made of paper. And there's like a robot song and a girl who is on Valium. <laughs> I actually, I have very fond memories of, I want to say it was in the mid-90s, me and my friend, uh, my best childhood friend, Dave Melito, who's obsessed with this movie, actually owns the Japanese Laserdisc. Ooh. I remember us going through one of the Hartford Library's microfiche systems to just see if we could find a uh, an ad for it in like a 1970s edition of the Hartford Current, which we did after hours of time we could have been uh, spending doing feeding the poor or doing anything. But uh, it's now on YouTube. So one of the other reasons why I chose it is, uh, you know what, Common Writer, a little hard to find unless you're like on the dark web or have access to Adam's Google folder. So uh, really actually very easy. You just don't try. And I'm old. And don't forget that I'm old. You're not and, that old. <laughs> and I promise you my friends won't try either. 
But you can just go on YouTube and you can find either the dubbed version, which is what I made us all watch so we could experience it the way I experienced as a child, or the uh, dub titled version. Yes. Which is, I know, both are unfortunate ways to view an anime, unless you don't care, like yours truly. Or you know Japanese. Exactly. That is my spiel. This movie is a nightmare, and I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. Corey? (laughs) Yes, thank you. The only thing I wanted to add is that the movie was so weird that I had to open up Wikipedia during my second viewing because I was just like, what on earth? Why is the dog singing and why is it so weird? And discovered that the director also directed uh, Night on the Galactic Railroad and oh. uh, Life of Guzco Badori. So a lot of like the Christian imagery makes sense now. Oh, yep. fascinating. Night on the Galactic Railroad is a story about a cat boy who rides a train and then his friend drowns and he wonders if cat boys can go to the Christian heaven. Oh, so it's basically the prequel to Cats. Yeah. Yeah, it's about the heavy side layer. <laughs> I had to look at the Wikipedia article to find out what the hell that was. I am not familiar with the director's work, but I was just looking at his CV as we all did. And it is like, uh, you know, it's a greatest hit. So like he did a Lupin. He did. I want to say he did like multiple Street Fighter movies, yep. uh, which I assume do not have as much Christian imagery in them. I don't know about that. But this is I, this appears to be his. It looks like certainly his first full length feature. And it is a doozy. So uh, we mentioned a, a, a music and there is a, it is a musical Fantasia. Their words. No not mine. Uh, and mm. so I, and this will be one of the few times that I would ask our audience, please, please, please watch some of this with the dubbing because it seems like whoever rewrote the songs in English did it in about two hours on a very heavy deadline, possibly under the influence of every drug known to man. Now, when you say two hours, you mean two hours for for the entirety of the songs, not two hours per song. Oh, absolutely. Oh, luxury. No, no. This guy, this guy had a fucking, this guy had a brisket sandwich waiting for him (laughs) at the deli. Like, order up. Oh, God, (laughs) I gotta, I gotta get out there. Yeah, this is no, uh, this is no David Bowie writing Heroes in the Bathroom uh, five minutes before recording it either. This reminded me of rock and roll. Fascinating. (laughs) The quality of music. Ah, yes. Well, here's the thing. I actually think the music is really fascinating, covers just about every 70s genre known to humanity. The problem, and and also, and I don't think this was an accident, although I would have to see the timing, to satisfy a curiosity, I immediately watched Jesus Christ Superstar after watching this, and uh, I would say four or five of the songs are directly ripped off from Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. How does the mm. uh, how does the Christian imagery compare like between the two? Like which one would you say has more? I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with JCS on this one. Okay. Okay. Although I will I will say Jack and the Beanstalk has cuter mice. Okay. Um, hmm. The lyrics are crazy. Uh, there is so much in this movie that the idea of seven-year-old me or seven-year-old anyone watching this, it is absolutely no shock that Generation X ended up as damaged as it did. That in the Reagan era. This movie is berserk. Hmm. It's it's an event that happened to me. <laughs> it sounds like, you make it sound like an appendectomy. It's not, hmm. 
it's not the worst thing that's happened to me in my life. Sure. It's not really the best thing. It's uh, it's an hour and a half of my life that I spent watching it. Wow. <laughs> it had its moments. And fortunately, they passed and then it was over. It's so weird because it's not even like bonkers enough that I'm like, oh, man, this weird shit. It's like it's like sort of like the, the middle of the roadest weird shit I've ever seen. I totally understand that. Ed, but I also understand your POV as someone who has consumed anime for probably as long as you've been alive. If I'd seen this movie when I let's say I was like. I know, 20. I would have been like, what the fuck is this? Oh, my God. But, I mean, I've seen the Holy Mountains, so, you know, Clockwork Mom getting smashed by her giant son is doesn't doesn't really move the needle that much anymore. Oh, absolutely. And I, we've all seen, uh, you know, I've spent my life watching stuff far, far more bonkerser than Jack and the Beanstalk. I keep just going back to the idea that, in 1974, 1978, 1982, American audiences who do not have any sort of frame of reference for this sort of thing. Yeah. It must have been mind bending. There are songs in this and there are images from this that have been I I was watching it last night for the first time in full in decades and Almost everything came back to me instantly. And it's so weird that I've just been kind of carrying this around for all of these years, just because it's so striking and it's so odd and it's so singular. But again, so yes, our younger listeners, if you watch this, you'll probably be like, no big deal. What was that cartoon y'all showed me once where like they turned into their own butts or something? What? Pompoco? Keijo? There was like a thing where it was like, oh, no, I got zizzed by the magic and now I've turned into a butt. Oh, Sarah's on my. Oh, they didn't turn into butts. They turned into kappa. But there's a lot of butt imagery. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess my point is, if this is I mean, look, if we've had access to that, everybody has access to DeviantArt and Tumblr. Nothing in this is going to like fucking blow your mind. But if you think of it in terms of like, oh, Imagine not knowing a goddamn thing about any, even down to like, why why aren't their mouths moving? Why do all of these words not fit? Why is this, why is this beanstalk screaming at me? Uh, Why why do their mouths sort of like match up sometimes for some characters in some instances and like not even a little bit like other times? And is she singing or is there, is that song non-diegetic? I don't know. Occasionally her mouth looks like it opens a little bit. It's so inconsistent. It's that, that I kind of liked, actually. Uh, yeah, because again, uh, to, to quote Joel Hodgson when talking about the, the eye creatures, they just didn't care. Literally zero care went into it, uh, into packaging it for American audiences. And it's too bad because I think the imagery and animation in this movie for the time is kind of jaw-dropping mm. and amazing. But it is packaged in such a way that it almost dares you to not look at it. What did you think, Corey? I loved it. (laughs) This does not surprise me in the slightest. (laughs) Yeah, my girl. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It because like I went in, you know, expecting Jack and the Beanstalk, and the movie took a right turn at Albuquerque, and. Like, I, 
in in what world does Jack of the Beanstalk involve an evil witch turning a castle of people into mice? Like the Cinderella world. It's yeah. It's just a, like an amalgamation. It's very hard to encapsulate my feelings about it. Like uh I deeply loved the the nasty song that the bean seller plays on his haunted calliope. Yes. Oh. Like <laughs> I mean, and we will, I mean, so much, when, when I say every genre of 70s music, that includes doodly-doo, first-generation analog synthesizers, like a planetarium, this is, this is what Mars looks like, kids, you're all so high kind of music. Like, it is, it, it's so cool. And yes, there, by the way, and that gentleman who is playing the, you know, like, fucking theremin typewriter or whatever the fuck it is uh that is not a good man to be talking to children uh for he looks like he looks like the late exploitation actor sid haig uh you yep. may remember as the lead bad guy at house of a thousand corpses uh he is a terrifying human being Corey, you said that it's a kind of a difficult thing to sum up this is what i came up with last night imagine if you will a giant complex machine Written on the side of it are the words, a Disney animated movie. The machine is held together with tape and string and bailing wire and black smoke is coming out of it. And for like the first 10 minutes that the machine is turned on, it kind of holds together. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is what this machine is trying to do. This machine is trying to be a Disney animated musical. And then about 10 to 15 minutes in, tape goes flying, springs come flying out, and it just it kind of collapses under its own weight. This movie wants to be a Disney musical so bad. And then for better or for worse, and I say for better, about 15, 20 minutes in, is it goes, it just all breaks. The mainspring breaks and it is suddenly it's just like, no, this is bonkers level 1970s freak out anime that should not be shown to children and maybe not even people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, because I'm, I'm used to anime of this decade. And so knowing that it's a Japanese produced movie, I would expect very different, like, character design and pacing, maybe. Like any pacing? Mm. But the, the trying to, like, copy or... Re- drawing heavily on the influence of Disney as anime does. Uh, it puts it in a really weird space that shouldn't exist. It's not even <laughs> just Disney. Like there's some definite like European influences. Like Jack looks like he stepped out of a bond dessinée, like with his little like conical nose. They did a Mickey Mouse uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, right. At least book that Mickey, I read for my childhood, and, and the the character design mm-hmm. is like ripped right out of there. Oh yeah. Uh, an interesting fact uh, that my friend David uh, uh, shared with me yesterday, the gentleman who's obsessed with this movie, each character in the movie was assigned their own animator. Oh yeah, that's that's actually that's pretty common. 
it made it sound like that it was like maybe that was a first for anime or something. I don't know, but as far as just like that explains a lot though. Yeah, it does. As far as just like the fact that no two characters the Princess Margaret doesn't fit in the same movie with Jack, <laughs> yeah. who doesn't fit in the same movie with his mom, who doesn't fit in the same movie with the dog. It is this fascinating kind of hodgepodge of character designs. There's so yes. much in this movie that I, I keep coming back to unsettled. My wife watched this with me. Uh, and uh, she's. I'm sorry. Are you still married? We are still married. This is. There are two movies that have made Kayla uh, uh, over the years. I'm sure there have been more than that. But as far as just like, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. I can't with this shit. One of them is a category three Hong Kong horror movie called Devil Fetus. Um, right. <laughs> Which we unfortunately saw in the movie theater, so she couldn't go anywhere. And mostly it was like about a wizard in a basement rec room. And it is very long and bad. And then this, and she had a really interesting <laughs> criticism of it besides what is this bullshit. She agreed that the animation is actually very cool and the music is very cool. The sound design on this movie, the Foley work, is like uh, audio torture. It is all very... <laughs> It's all these very sharp, high-pitched noises and, like, a lot of weird sound effects that all sort of add up to nails on a chalkboard. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is the fault of the dub and how much of that is a fault of just the original product. Although I will throw to you on this, Corey. Does the sound work on this match with other anime of uh, the 70s era? Yes. Yes. That that high-pitched, childlike tone, many, many stringed instruments, lots of flute. Like, people people just, like, falsettoing in, into the sky. Uh, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. There's a mouse character who we already established that is, right. uh, that Adam's in love with. Uh, and, uh, her voice and all of the voices of the mice are so high pitched and terrifying that my dog actually left the room at one point. <laughs> no banjo. Like he, he just was just like right. And then they, that poor kid's got a bad ticker. He couldn't handle that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. It is. A, I keep you going back to the phrase like unsettling and a movie that doesn't necessarily want you to watch it. Uh, but, but we, but we soldiered on Corey. I'm so happy to hear that you loved it. Is there stuff that it reminds you of from this era? Because of course, like most anime, I have zero frame of reference. It's really difficult because of how much spread there is. <laughs> like, uh, uh, some of the character design, like, uh, Princess Margaret, her her chestnut shaped head is is a pretty common anime character design. I'm just thinking about that chicken now. Oh, the the, 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 it's so the hen that lays the golden egg. Yeah, sausagey. Like that was deeply unexpected. I was I was not expecting something designed to be like funny and cute. Wait, oh, <laughs> sorry, like an hour Wait a and a half into the film. Sorry, I'm just I just had a sudden flashback. And I need I need some kind of clarification. Okay, so when Jack when Jack gets to the castle, he's being shown around by the evil witch, and there's like there's like a voice that's like telling him to run away. Yes, and it never comes up again. And I assumed it was the magic harp, 
but it's definitely not the magic harp because that's a magic harpy harp. So what the hell is that? Yeah, the harp's a narc. Yeah, like. totally. Narc. <laughs> I expected like the fun and fancy free like Tinkerbell harp type deal. No, the harp's an asshole. Yeah. In the remake, uh, the harp is played by Rebel Wilson. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, I would I would love sassy. I would love if this, the harp was sassy instead of just incredibly uptight about the rules. Yeah, it's like it's like a really mean spinster aunt. Uh, I am going to go ahead and say as maybe a side conversation that this film, Jack and the Beanstalk, may not have the best attitudes towards women. Yeah. <laughs> not great. We have Jack's mom who within the – we should just get into it. Um, I, I, we don't really have to talk through the whole movie. Oh, no. But we have Jack's mom who we first meet her and she's like, Jack, go do your chores. And then within 10 minutes of meeting her is legit beating Jack with a fucking broom in a way that's only sort of funny. Oh, fun fact that I discovered. Yes. Fun uh, fact, don't Jack, beat your child with a broom. <laughs> yes. But if I recall correctly, Jack and every other female character in the film was voiced by the same voice actress. So Jack, Jack's mom, the harp, maybe not print, maybe not the princess, but definitely those three. Yeah, the princess got her own voice. Another little in- interesting quote unquote side fact about this. There were two different dubbing factions in the United States at this time. And this was the first time that both of them worked together on the same project. Uh, One of them was Peter Fernandez's company. Peter Fernandez, of course, uh, is the voice of Racer X and has dubbed or... I, you know, it's Peter Fernandez. I mean, like, he is dubbed or directed... He's no Lorenzo Music. Come on. This is stuff... (laughs) This is, he's a hero. He is a hero amongst voiceover artists. Right. Uh, so it's him and then the team that dubbed uh, Kimba the White Lion. <laughs> Another Does This Really Exist movie that uh, kids like me watched in the early 1980s, along with like Dot and the Kangaroo and shit like that. Oh, There's man. Whole, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Dude, you just like downloaded my childhood into my brain. Whew. Bunyips. Oh, man. Sorry. I'm having a moment. Like, like you can't just say Dot and the Kangaroo out of nowhere, bro. That's not okay. Well, no, but I, it's all under the heading of, like, these weird movies that I feel like a bunch of us saw once or twice, yeah. left an indelible impression, and then nobody nobody in the DVD revolution was like, gotta make sure to get Dot and the fucking Kangaroo out there to the people. There's, like, three Dot movies, too. There's, like, one with Santa Claus. Oh, God. Oh yeah, the uh, the EDU, the Extended Dot Universe. Everybody's very familiar with that. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm great, uh, Corey. What did you? What were you saying? I don't even remember. Oh, <laughs> we we need to watch some Tezuka Star System stuff. We we have yes. to watch Marine Express. Uh, well, sorry, it's the rules. That's um, a, no, yes. it's okay. And I, I, you know what? I feel like uh, I feel like Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So Corey, if you really oh, love us, that'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely a Valentine's movie. Oh, fantastic! Wait, does that mean I have to pick something for White Day? <laughs> well, like, did you just has... what? Oh no, what's White Day? Oh, what? in tr- Josh, listen it... to our podcast. Literally covered this on the episode, episode that came out this we fucking explained. week. I've been, it's quick. I am getting ready to go across the country. I have things to do and I have never listened to our podcast. You were there when I told you the first time. 
I am sure I made the exact same joke, something along the lines of that's it has a different meaning here in Trump's America. Yes, thank okay. you. All right, we've been there. Okay. I can't <sighs> wait. I have a I have a long flight that I promise as soon as I listen to every other podcast that I care about, <laughs> I will listen to our podcast. Happy White Day, you two. I hope you all uh, left out your copies of Charlotte's Web uh, and, tr- and Trumpet of the Swan. Uh, wow. Okay. And uh, and Once in Future King? Is that what we're yeah. doing? Sure. All right. Uh, what are we talking about? Jack no. and the Beanstalk. We, okay. we start off with Jack. The movie starts off, and if you are a, a child person, you're probably watching it and like, Okay, well, this scans as a movie. There's a boy. His mother's telling him to get up. He's running through the fields. He's floating in the air. He leaves a chicken in charge of milking a cow. Yeah. Uh, he, no. Uh, the no. cow milks its. Oh, by the way, the cow <laughs> milks itself. And I am going to go ahead and say that definitely a non zero amount of children figured out something about themselves watching the cow try to milk itself. I did not personally. To really squeeze one out but right it is there. Yeah. Very weird. It's very weird imagery. My understanding is that cows do not milk themselves. And also, if they did, it probably wouldn't look like they were trying to take a real hard shit. Yeah, it's... um... Honestly, I was surprised that when Jack was trying to get more milk out of her, I was like, he was this close to just like trying to suck some out. And I was like, are they going there? I bet they're going to go there. And they didn't go there. Not until... I believe your prime minister, Tom Green, was the one who... uh, Yeah. Yeah. Some real Freddy Got Fingered flashbacks there. Invented that technique. Uh, But we meet Jack and he's just sort of like... he. Everything sort of feels vaguely familiar. Like, oh, if you have watched a Disney movie, it's a boy. He lives on a farm. His mom's a little bossy. He's in charge of the farm work. He's running around. He's enjoying a day. He's got a lazy dog. And then you sort of hear the music in the background, which you expect to be sort of like either my, this is his, oh, what a beautiful morning song, or my, I'm yearning for something more. And then you listen to the lyrics and they're all just like, maybe there's a rabbit in the trap. Maybe that would be delicious. Who knows? Or a fish in the thing. And it's like, you're listening and you're like, this doesn't sound like <laughs> lyrics as I, a seven-year-old or even adult <laughs> understand them because you, because you have no concept that uh, somebody was like desperately trying to get this done before their Nate and Al's order was up. And they're just like, I just put in words. It's fine. What is he doing? Is he looking for a rabbit? Great. Uh, then maybe there's a rabbit in the trap. Am I done? But it still all feels like normal, vaguely normal. And then the cow tries to milk itself and it looks like it's taking a poop. And Jack's mom is like, well, take it to the butcher Make sure you get a fair price. And again, this is all like, all right, I'm familiar with this. This fits Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack takes the cow, and then he meets child molester Sid Haig. Oh, no, wait, 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 nope. wait. My mistake, nope. my mistake. No, 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 you're, you're correct. But he takes the cow, but he's like lounging on the cow's back, and there's a song playing about how life is just really unfair, and you like there's nothing you can do about it, too goddamn bad. And he's just like, doop-a-doop-a-doo, taking my cow to die. I'm fine with this. And then they dub in a line about how, no, I'm not going to take you to the butcher. I'll find you a nice home, which – Definitely isn't actually in the uh, <laughs> in the Japanese version. Let me oh, tell you, you. Can, I checked. Yeah, you, 
you can absolutely tell that Jack 100% does not give a shit about this cow's future. Jack doesn't give a shit about anything. That's the expression he has during like literally the whole film, no matter what's going on, is this kind of like disconnected, like happiness, like stuff's happening. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about birds. Yeah. Thankfully, he hears the most evil music in the world (laughs) and decides to go over there. Oh, I would have gone to look at that music. That music's amazing. Yeah, it's fresh as hell. It's like somebody broke a stylophone. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, you get the sense. It is electronic instrument one. Like, and it's something <laughs> this like it's literally, it's like a coffee can and a capacitor and some screws and some copper wire and a nine volt battery. And they're like, good enough. It's like somebody like raided Giorgio Moroder's garbage can. <laughs> Now I will be seriously dating myself, and I promise you nobody my age listens to this podcast. But when I was a kid, there were these uh, – Radio Shack sold these toys that were like the 47-in-1 electronics lab. Yeah, yeah. It was this cardboard – kind of this flat cardboard thing that had little tiny like springs that could hold wires and therefore kind of be conduits for circuits. Mm-hmm. And you could be like, I have – now it's a crystal radio. Now it's a thing that makes this noise. That yep. is exactly what this thing is, and it is being played by a terrifying, eye-patched child molester. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. I like that Jack is like, "No, I will not trade you beans for my cow." That's stupid. And Five seconds like, later, but what if? <laughs> but what if I did? <laughs> what if I just did that yeah. instead? I like I like the reveal yeah. of the eye patch where he's just like do to do on his thing and he turns around and he's like wah look I have an eye patch I'm deformed right. I am horrified he's like dude you god I've seen pirates it's yeah. not that big a deal and by, and by the way yeah Jack has absolutely no issue with this and uh, he's like uh huh I also can't stress for a movie that's only ninety minutes long the deedly deep uh, evil molester typewriter theremin song goes on, I would say about 45 minutes um, charitably. (laughs) The deal is struck. Jack, master negotiator, is like, no, I don't want these beans. And there's like, you know what though? Beans though. Here's the, yeah, like, cause like I said, I was stoned and I felt like maybe I just sort of like zoned out during the negotiation phase. (laughs) No, the movie zones out for you. The last thing I remember is he said he didn't want to trade for beans and that like I, I and I think maybe I like started thinking about something else and now apparently he's he's cool with beans. <laughs> Did I and I wasn't gonna rewind, like cause fuck no, but Yeah, no, it's fine. He takes it back to his mom and she tries to insult him and can't remember insults, so he provides them for her and yeah. then she lectures him about there's how there's no mir- miracles in the world. Miracles, yeah. no. Two things. Let's just skip back one minute. Not only did the guy sell him some beans, uh, Jack runs away, but then the guy lifts up his eye patch to reveal he's got two working eyes. Dun, dun, dun. What a liar. Man, this guy's probably going to be a big deal later on in the film. He's going to come back and there's going to be some kind of re- reveal about him, right? Can't right? wait. Can't wait. He seems um, like a big deal. I'm just saying. Seems like they're setting some stuff up. Narratively. Yeah, it, this is good. It's, it's all happening. This movie Corey, understood how narrative works. I will say that I, I, 
there is a lot of comedy in the movie that does not work, but I did not mind the Jack helping his mother insult him bit. I was like, oh yeah, that that actually plays well and was dubbed well and sounded like those two people may have even been in the same room. They're the same person, Josh. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're the same person. Every female character except for the princess is the same person in this movie. I don't believe it. Look at the Wikipedia page. A cast of thousands. This had a cast of <laughs> this movie. That what they did is they took the cast of Greatest Story Ever Told oh. and just invited them into the other soundstage to record nope. this. They got like one lady uh, and and they were like, okay, how annoying can you be? Okay, good. That's Jack. How shrill can you be? Okay, his mom. Good. Can you sound just like kind of a normal old lady? Great. Okay, Madame Noir or whatever her name is. And... Uh, can you Hecuba. just be like Hecuba. mean? Okay, hard, he- good, done. <laughs> Hang on, Hecuba. First of all, her name is Hecuba, and second She's of not all, her in the Japanese version. <laughs> but second of all, Adam, this is a more important conversation. You just said that she sounds like a normal old lady. Is that what normal <laughs> do normal old ladies sound like this to you? I'm just saying, like, compar- comparatively. Um, also, also, I'm sus- I, also I'm suggesting. That that the lady in question, and I apologize if she's listening, no, she's was maybe not. not was maybe not doing her best work on this film. Dear Adam, you're so mean and ugly. You should be against the law. That's her response. Hey, I had <laughs> I had that coming. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that part of the movie, a thing that has been scarred in my brain for decades. So there's a very funny, cute exchange between Jack and his mom, and Jack must be punished. And then Jack has to get down on all fours. And then for what feels like way too long of a time and content warning to anyone who watches this movie, Jack is only semi-comedically beaten in the ass with a broom. It doesn't seem to bother him, though. No, because I and I think this is an important thing, Adam. Nothing bothers me. I think that he has probably lived such a. I mean, obviously, his mom not a great person, not a great caretaker. Let's go ahead and say it: the sort of person who beats her child with a broom. I feel like maybe Jack has developed some sort of disassociative uh, personality disorder, where it's all just kind of fine with him because otherwise, his day to day life is a nightmare. Counterpoint, he likes being hit in the butt with a broom. I mean, okay. Yeah, he wouldn't it seems be the very first transactional. Person. Like, it's very businesslike. She's like, get down on the yeah. floor. It's a transaction. Like, yeah, okay. Let's continue our conversation <laughs> while I'm hitting you. Beans go out the window. <laughs> so Jack, Jack goes to bed muttering to himself, there's no such thing as miracles, which possibly is the only time that Jack may admit in this movie that maybe things aren't really as great as his perpetually stoned expression and the, the I'm riding on a cow that's going to be turned into hamburger laissez-faire attitude towards everything. Meanwhile, out in the yard, Crosby, the dog, who is fucking adorable, and possibly, right? probably the best character in this entire movie, True. is enjoying himself a solid, tasty hunk of nap. Wait, no, Cute Mouse. I forgot about Cute Mouse. Second best character. Cute Mouse. Cute I mouse like Cute Mouse, character. and I cannot lie. The Beans. The Beans. The Beans start to sing a song about how there are miracles. But not! But, but not! No, this the Beans is... are, like, real conflicted. Corey, can I... I can I ask you a favor? And you don't have to do this, but maybe 
maybe drop in a little of the song. Words can't really describe. Because I'm going to do an impression of it. And you're, everybody who, all five of you who listen to this show are going to be like, oh, first of all, great, Josh is singing again. There's a nightmare. <laughs> and then two, obviously it does not sound like this. This is what this song sounds like. <laughs> this is not going to happen. You would be stupid if you thought it would. The only miracles that happen are in storybooks and they're lies. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. It's like, no, there's miracles and they're great. Yay. Now, Corey, please drop in that section of the song here. The only miracles are in the storybooks and they are the Lies. magic spell is secret to tell it we're forbidden. Well, this is very stupid. We'll forget that Robbie Ship will keep our secrets well hidden. And we're back. It's exactly like that. Imagine being seven years old and having a shrill beanstalk yell at you about how there is not magic in the world while like fucking Akira style mutation is happening on the screen as this beanstalk, this 100% not at all phallic beanstalk, is stretching up to heaven, mutating as if it had been irradiated. It is crazy. Well, I'm sorry. Not only, not only that, but a la the 60s Spider-Man, there's really only like about, you know, 10 seconds of beanstalk growing fridge and they just show it over and over again during the song. Oh, 100%. But it is. It is. I mean, it's you just good. want to. You're like the dog in that commercial. You want them to roll that beautiful beanstalk footage. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What are you talking about? But yes. Bush's baked beans with the dog who's always like, I'm going to get that recipe. And the guy's like, you can't because uh, you're a dog and only humans can know about beans. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, at least it was bean related. This is not going to happen. You're oh, a jerk God, and stop. I hate please, you. Please, please, no. Which is what we're all what saying. What did I do? What did I do to deserve that? That was the exact moment that Kayla kind of looked up from her laptop and was like, hey, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right because like if you're just hearing stuff in the background this is this is the moment where it goes into brave little yep. toaster territory where it's just like oh this is a nightmare this is a nightmare and i'm awake and this is the part where you look at your watch and be like oh god there's this has only been 20 minutes i, I it feels so long and i still have another hour and 10 minutes to go oh no i forgot that when i'm stoned time time feels like it takes longer why did i do this to myself the beanstalk is grown, and Adam's little paramouse uh, runs down. <laughs> nice. And she is uh, she is dressed in the sort of traditional Disney princessy pointy hat with a veil and little pink dress, and uh, is being chased by an owl. And Crosby the dog tries to save the mouse. Jack is woken up in the process. Does he try to save her, or does he just look at her? Yes. Crosby is a noble being. He is noble, but I feel like he didn't actually do anything except be like, oh, shit, what should I do? Oh, the owl appears to have solved the problem for me. Thank goodness. I think he growls and barks. And I think um, he's like, hey, I think he's like, hey, quit it. That's about it what I expect the dog to do. So, OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than Jack does. He just sort of <laughs> runs out and is like, I'm happy about this, too. I'm happy about everything. It's cool that I'm beaten with a broom every day. What a life. What a life. Hey, there's a princess mouse in my pocket. Weird. Oh, ye- I mean. Jack is so disconnected from reality that he's like, oh, hello, little thing. What are you? 
what's going on? Are you scared? And there's at no point is he like lying on the floor, just screaming with blood coming out of his eyes. Like it's a mouse in human clothing trying to communicate with me. Also, there appears to be a giant beanstalk in my yard. <laughs> yeah. None of this. It's all none of this. He just does not. Also, my dog shit. walks on its hind legs. Yeah. Right. Fairly right. frequently and can <laughs> climb and can climb a beanstalk in very idiosyncratic ways. Yeah, so they climb up the the beanstalk. Yeah, meet the princess of the land of clouds, and uh, the mouse does introductions, and we go on from there. Oh, and the princess maybe sings a song about how great it is to be her. I will. I want to go back just very briefly when the mouse is uh, first explaining to Crosby what the dealio is. The mouse acts out the entire plot of the movie, yep. and because I have seen the movie. Uh, and have recall of the plot, I was like, this is very clever animation to sum up what's going on. It is yet another thing that if you've never seen the movie before, it is five minutes of watching a a mouse pantomime badly, and it is complete nonsense. It is squeaky, crazy nonsense. Yeah, that's another one of those moments where I felt like maybe I zoned out and I came back and it was still happening. I'm like, I don't know how long this has been going on for. I thought you I thought I thought you were I thought you were done when you made like when you when you when you did the ogre thing. And I sort of like started thinking about some other stuff and it appears to be still happening. Still squeaking. We get up and we meet, we meet the exquisitely fantasy world named Princess Margaret, uh, <laughs> which is like everyone else is like Hecuba and Magical Herp and Golden Goose. And then he is me. Oh, what's up? It's me, Princess Maggie. How are you? How's it going? I live up in the clouds. It's wicked awesome. It's just me. She's not necessarily singing a song about how great she is. She's singing about how the prince will come and take her in his arms. Well, I zoned out after a little while. I'm not, look, this is going to be a fairly common theme in my recollections. There, like, I just all, all I know is that like a song started and I listened to the first part, and then when I came back to my senses, it was over. Here is here is one of the indelible images that I have carried with me all of my life from watching this. So, first of all, Princess Margaret. I would say is the first character in this movie who, to me, certainly, and I remember that even thinking this as a child, was like, this character doesn't look like any, A, any of the other characters that I've seen so far in the movie, and B, doesn't look like any character that I have ever seen in an animated movie. Because Princess Margaret is basically drawn in what we kind of now known to be the traditional huge-eyed anime style. So that's literally ground zero. And then anything else, like if I watch Voltron or Robotech or anything, I would be like, oh, okay, I guess what I saw when I was seven, this is like from the same... This is from the same place. This is the same kind of not animation that I was used to seeing. She has this glazed look in her eyes. And at one point she's talking to Jack. A cloud slowly floats up to her face and she casually pushes it away. And it's one of those things. Definitely if you are what Here's a way to get through this movie, viewers. Think of it in terms of amazing gift sets and you will be all set. <laughs> yes. This is the most... It is shocking to me 
that this is not the most gift thing in the universe. But yeah, she's sitting on a cloud. A cloud is like, hey, what's up, princess? She's like, not right now. I'm talking to Jack. She is very laid back. Her eyes are kind of glazed over. And we learn that she is basically on drugs. And she sings a song called No One's Happier Than Me, which outside of like, say, a Matthew Sweet song might be the happiest titled song that is still going to make you like break down and cr- it is a miserable song sung by a perfectly nice young girl floating around on clouds it is the whole movie is sort of weighed down with this unspeakable sadness mm-hmm. which just doesn't jibe with the kind of move like again it doesn't it wants to be a disney movie it feels nothing like one and it is weird yeah. But it's a jam. I still will walk around the house. No one's ha- it's like the sad Charlie Brown Christmas music. <laughs> I don't mind telling you because I know that it's true. There is no one who's happier than us. So she's going to marry Tulip tomorrow. And she's psyched because... He's the handsomest, most beautiful man in the world. And his mother, Hecuba, is the kindest, most terrific woman in the world. And she had some parents once, but a witch killed him. And she doesn't even think about it that much. Right. And, <laughs> and she, oh, and my God. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got a little confused because uh, Margaret refers to Hecuba as mother. Yeah. And then we were like. Oh, but Prince Tulip is her son. Are they siblings? <laughs> oh, man, I didn't I, even think about it that much. I think she meant it in more of like a mother-in-law, mother kind of way. Mm. Uh, yeah. But yes, there is. I that Wow, that never even occurred to me in all the years that I've watched. It's all, it's such a thing. I feel like whenever like, oh, we're in old timey times. So any woman over the age of 35, people younger will just say, mother, come here. We're talking about a monarchy here, so really, like, that sort of thing just isn't that big a deal. The Queen Mother. Yeah, well, no, I mean marrying your sibling. Um, Oh, yeah, both. Yeah. Also, Hecuba is, I would would say she's a vampire, except she has, like, a very strong jutting chin (laughs) and, like, orc tusks. Here's the thing. So she, like, like, casts a spell on herself to make herself prettier, but I don't think she looks any different. No, she casts the spell on Margaret. No, but it, right, like right before we see her, she's like, oh, I better cast the spell that makes me look beautiful. And I'm like, dude, you did it wrong. I think we're not supposed to see that. I think the implication is that like this is all a ziz on Margaret. But maybe. I mean, she doesn't have thanks. Uh, for those of you who uh, are not going to watch this, I highly recommend it, though. She looks like <laughs> she. Lo- oh, how dare you? Uh, uh, Hecuba kind of looks like if you took every disney villain lady and put them in a vitamix and poured them out onto a sheet and then asked someone to draw it from memory like she's got ursula in her she's definitely got like a heavy pinch of maleficent in there like the queen from the evil queen from snow what like she's every disney villain she's a lot of corella de villa she's like it's kind of like if you did corella de villa and inflated her face a bunch so instead of being like skeletal she just had like a lot of nose and chin. And I just picture everybody in the studio looking at each other and going like, just like Disney? Yeah, just like it. Perfect. We nailed it, you guys. This is fantastic. To go back to your your point about 
how they had different animators for each character and how I said that that was normal. I do think that's like typical, at least nowadays. But what isn't typical is I don't think usually each of the animators for each character gets to also design the character to their own specifications. I think there's generally like a uniformity of character design and then they assign, which does not appear to have happened in this film. No, everybody was locked in a different section (laughs) of the basement. (laughs) And they were like, oh, shit, well, we got to get started. None of this makes sense. But okay, let's just let's just roll. So, yeah, uh, Hecuba is really creepily into Jack in the she wants to eat him. Yep. And she hasn't eaten in 20 years and she doesn't want to share him with Tulip. So she takes him up to the to the banquet room. This is where uh, we get the voices like, "Hey, Jack, she sucks ass. Get her, get out of here. This is real terrible. Get out of here. Run away, Jack. Go home." This is going to be real important later, right? This is going to be super important. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a character in the movie doing yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was just one of the animators who's like, "Oh God, make it stop." Maybe it's the mice? Like, are they, are there mi- legit- no, there's no possible explanation for this. They don't speak. Oh, that's the right. The mice can't speak. That's right. Maybe it's the castle? The castle is... Oh, wait, I've got it. What if it's the ghost of Margaret's parents? <laughs> Don, Don and Jessica. Also, very... They all just have the most... That's how the kingdom was so easily taken over, because everyone's names were so boring. Hey, is there an <laughs> implication that Princess Margaret isn't like a human because neither Hecuba nor uh, Tulip like is, is holding themselves back from just like eating her. Hecuba has, we will come to find out that Hecuba has put the magic whammies on princess Margaret to believe that Tulip is beautiful and that she is beautiful and that she needs to marry Tulip by doing this. Hecuba becomes queen of the cloud kingdom, which is where we are, which means very little. She zizzed all the members of the like staff and to turn into mouses. The entire kingdom, which is about like eight dudes. Right. And honestly would just be her and Tulip. So basically what we're talking about is like a real estate grab more than anything <laughs> else. But there seems to be like later on, we're like, well, once I become queen of this, then I can turn my army, which I don't have, on all the other kingdoms, which we can't see or don't know about. Mm. It's basically this giant power grab. But for what? <laughs> She's already won. Like, yeah. There's nothing stopping her from just putting on a pointy hat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and everybody, if there's one thing we want you to learn from today, there's nothing stopping any of you from putting on a pointy hat. Just live your dreams, my friends. Merry Christmas. Right, I'd like to pause briefly. I want to go get another drink. I'm out of bubbly. Okay. All right. I'll get a drink too. I'm going to stay here and entertain our listeners. Okay. I put too much pressure on myself. I don't know what I'm doing. All right. Yeah. Are we all here? Yeah. I'm. I'm well, Josh is. On the way back, I think. Do, 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 fart, fart. Is that your theme music? <laughs> You're so mean and stupid, you should be set on fire. Nobody <laughs> likes you when I hit you and your butt. You should be sent into a pit of despair. Hi, everyone. You got- Hello. 
I like I, I like that you have bubbly. It's uh, 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 Corey. It's like we're this is like our holiday party. This is us hanging out in like Kugami's office, uh, you know, eating cake and just talking about the year and our hopes for the next year. Maybe sneaking off, copying our butt on the uh, copying machine. Just to be clear, Bubbly's like Lacroix. Oh, well, I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I was I was going to say something about sneaking off with Sadanaka, but she wouldn't sneak off with me. I know that. Absolutely not. We'd all have to go to HR. Yeah, she'd be. She would be so mad even if I if I even suggested it. Maybe she, if I left yeah. a tiny trail of cake. But even but I mean then that's not. There's no consent there. That's gross. I wouldn't do that. You might end up with like Kogami. Then you might. Like, <laughs> what is the cakes are these? Or if well, wait, maybe I leave a trail of Odin and then it's Date. Oh, Date might be cool with it. I would abs- I would absolutely leave a plate of Odin out for uh, Santa Date to come down the <laughs> chimney. <laughs> plate of Odin in a grill can. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, you know, look, Hecuba's real hungry. She hasn't eaten in twenty years, and she just wants. Even though I gotta say, not a lot of like slow twitch muscle on Jack. Like I don't find him to be delicious, but like. <laughs> He's a little scrawny. I guess Hecuba has a better eye for this sort of thing than I do. And who knows, maybe with like a pressure cooker or like, you know, at least extract some good flavor from those young bones, whatever. So she takes him up to the not at all threatening dining room (laughs) of terror uh, where a chair grabs Jack. And again, Jack is only like, oh, where are chairs grabbing me? Okay, I guess. And then he eats uh, magic Tylenol PM soup. He's like basically shouting about how he doesn't want soup with his mouth wide open, which is not how you don't get soup in your mouth. Oh, also the spoon is magic. Oh, yeah. The spoon is magic and just shoves itself. In. And he's like, oh, man, this is some good soup. In all in all fairness, that soup looked pretty good. It did. Like those close ups. I'm like, oh, that looks like a nice cream soup. I need that. Look. There's some red a- in there. I don't even know, but it looks tasty. Look, this is a culture that knows their soup. I think we can all agree. Fair, fair, fair. fair. They make goddamn delicious soup. Uh, So Jack gets his by the whammy soup. But Tulip is coming. Uh So like Hecuba with her not wanting to share is like, I'll just stash him in this pot. It'll be fine. Can we talk about Tulip's character design a little bit? I wanted to say that this is where we get introduced to like one of the themes of the movie how super ugly Tulip is. Yeah. To pull that back a little further, if you are ugly, you do not deserve to be alive. Granted. Right? Tulip looks like he came out of like a circa like 1982 Nelvana special of some kind. Like, nice. Ooh, it's, that's a it's, nice, that's a good pull right there, my friend. He looks like he was designed for like a children's cartoon holiday special. Yes. It's so at odds with, Everything else in the movie, which is already at odds with itself, but somehow this is more at odds. It's so weird. I always remembered Tulip as being like, oh, yeah, Tulip's like big and ugly and stupid. Like, this is what the movie wanted to communicate to us. Watching it again last night for the first time in, I can't stress this enough, literally decades, I was struck by like, oh, actually, he's kind of rocking a very, like, perfectly okay 
like early nineties grunge outfit. Like uh-huh. he looks, yeah. he looks, he looks, his outfit is very cool. Like there is some dental work and maybe mm-hmm. like uh, some circles under the eyes that could benefit from like maybe getting better sleep or a CPAP machine or something. Nice uh, manicure but, like, would help a lot. But his outfit is kind of fresh to death. His hair is really good and like if he wasn't he's a giant so if he didn't have to walk hunched over in a castle not designed for a giant i i was actually getting kind of strong noel fielding vibes off of him hmm. he's just kind of cute and mod i do not mind yes Tulip's my, look. yeah 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 yeah. he's super mod yeah nailed I, it i, I I don't, I don't mind it. And it's sort of like, and this is the thing that kind of goes throughout the movie, which is Hecuba is terrible. Tulip, kind of a victim of circumstance. I don't know if it's, if it's nature or nurture. He's not, he's not smart, but I mean, let's not be ableist. I don't even know. I don't know how old he is. It's hard to tell. He could be, he could be like 12. I think he's late teens, early twenties. And I think he's ready. I think he wants to like maybe go out and see the world. Certainly. I don't think he's crazy about his mother Mm. and maybe she's got him in trance as well. Tulip throughout the movie. He acts because he feels like he should for the set of data points that he's been given throughout his life. But I don't think he is necessarily evil. And it is very, but unfortunately in the world of this movie, he is big and ugly and Mm -hmm. therefore should be murdered. If this was a character in a Disney movie, like he's like, he, he, they'd uh, hunchback in Notre Dame him. Like he'd get some kind of like redemption at the end and it'd be his evil mother figure would get. And people would be like, you know what? You're not so bad. And let's, let's see what we can do. You're maybe not going to marry the princess, but you're, you know, you've been ill used. We, we have sympathy for you. The movie has zero th- sympathy for this. Poor, poor unfortunate. Also, uh, the way that they decided to dub Tulip is like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. Yeah. <laughs> like he's there. Mm, I sure could eat a little blow some mashed potatoes. Mm, they, call it, they call it a beanstalk. <laughs> some folks call yeah. it beanstalk. I he call eats it a sling big bowl of meat stuff. Yeah. Oh, he literally eats the, he oh. eats the, Jap- he eats the meat emoji. <laughs> The meat bone, yeah. And so it's delicately. A, it's such a, yeah. She's like, here, eat your meat bones. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, dip, 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 dip. like, I mean, listen, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of anime characters eat a lot of meat bones. And that is the most delicate, polite meat bone eating I have seen in my life. Like is- most of them just shove the whole thing in their mouth and pull the bone out. Some of us have never met in real life. Uh, but if you have ever seen me eat chicken fingers, or not chicken fingers, like chicken wings, that's the deal. That's how you eat meat off of a bone with your entire mouth. But it, again, Tulip, as dainty as his name. Yeah. Jack escapes. Jack escapes, comma, somehow. Right. Basically, Tulip eats his big bowl of meat bones and then is like, ah, I smell human, mashed potatoes, some people call it a human. Um, and his mom's like, nope, no humans here. I don't want, ain't got a one. He's like, fuck off, mom. I'm going to go, I'm going to follow my nose. <laughs> it always knows. Oh, so much of him. And Jack's not there and, and she's like, oh, you got to go catch that Jack. He was totally here. There's definitely a human. I'll split him with you. Remember how I said there was nobody there? Okay, well, so that was a lie. Now go find him, but don't eat him. Bring him back so I can eat him, I guess. It is never explained to us, A, how Jack 
woke up from the trance. B, how he escaped. But in the next scene, uh, Crosby is doing a lot of Scooby-Doo style, snooping around doors, being extra sneaky. It's him and the mice. And Jack has completely recovered from his Tylenol PM soup. Everyone's having an adventure. And uh, and then there is a chase, aided and abetted by possibly one uh, I, with the exception of the old-timey internet's The Hamster Dance. <laughs> this is possibly the most insidious, catchy, and horrifying song sung by animated rodents. <laughs> Again, I am going to sing it for you, and then Corey will drop in the actual song, and you will have trouble discerning one from the other. Here's how it goes. Running through tunnels. Climbing a ladder. That, that for 45 fucking minutes. Like you think somehow your TV has skipped a groove and it's just going to show that forever. And you will only hear that music for the rest of your life. Corey, drop it here. I have a real hard time, like, establishing what genres of music are being used. And this was like, is it disco? Oh, it's all of them. Is this- it is all of them. It's very, and not to uh, not to quote Family Guy, but it is one of my favorite jokes of theirs of all time. It's very God and his magical rainbow suspenders. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just sort of this weird lump. I keep going back to JC's Superstar. And uh, if, if you listen to the two things back to back, you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. It's very like rock opera, but set in quote unquote olden times. But yeah, every genre of basically, the old, they, they looked at a list of all of the genres of 1970s music and went, okay, so what here is the most annoying. <laughs> Let's narrow that down to the top 10. All right. So like Spacey Carpenter style music. Perfect. Uh, planetarium music. Got it. Disco. Sure. Heavy metal, you know, bulge rock. Absolutely. But then there's the do 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 song, which is just, I guess it's maybe it's only sort of analog would be whistle stop from Robin Hood. Maybe. <laughs> which does bring you back to the hamster dance anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. And so they use uh, the same five cells of animation <laughs> and just turn them upside down and left and right to make it look like they're getting somewhere, digging through dirt that by all means should not exist in this world because it's made of clouds. But why complain now? They escape. <laughs> there's there's a certain amount of, of tulip bashing through walls, too, and I'm like literally surprised this castle has has survived as long as it has if this is if this is a common occurrence is this when our heroes all end up in uh, Scrooge McDuck land yeah yes okay welcome to Scrooge McDuck land <laughs> big piles of treasure just miscellaneous objects and jack just basically like loses his shit there's the magic harp 
it sees Jack and it's all like, oh no, Chilip! And the mice grab the strings and strangle it. <laughs> it's very evocative. Um, Jack, first of all, tries to like run game on the harp and is like, he sort of turns into yeah. like a southern lawyer. He's like, I'm just a simple backwards country boy. I don't know anything about this land of the clouds, you see, but it seems like there's some I got awful this axe. It seems like there's some awful funny things happening around here. And I just Oh, by the way, we forgot to mention this. One of the runners in this movie is that everybody really wants to tell Jack that he smells like shit. Oh yeah. And in fact, the first conversation that he and uh, Princess Quaalude have, <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm Jack. I'm terrible. I'm beaten with a broom, but I don't care. My cow's dead. I'm in the clouds. I don't care about shit. Uh, and Princess uh, Quaalude is like, you smell of pigs and chickens and cows. Why is that? And he's like, because I roll in shit. Uh, and, uh, and the harp is, again, the same, like, you smelly person, you work of the land, and boo! And then is strangled by mice. But, but Jack is like, I'm just a simple, smelly country boy. And you seem very bright. I, I sure do hope that you could tell me what's going on here in this land of clouds. And the harp is basically like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you because I always tell the truth and I've given up on narking on you, comma, for reasons. <laughs> Hecuba has put a spell on Princess Quaalude that during the day she is uh, entranced and thinks Hecuba is beautiful and wonderful and did not kill her parents, and that Tulip is handsome and amazing, and that they're going to be married. The spell is lifted at night, but it doesn't matter because she's asleep. Oh, man, that's going to be real important. I bet that's like there's going to be some clever plot point where Jack wakes the princess up in the night, and she's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And they escape together because she remembers at that point. Oh, that's some that's some good info. That's some super intel. I love that the spell is soup fumes. Like there's just a bowl of soup with lots of vapors, and Hecuba's just like rubbing it on Margaret's eyes. Is it supposed to be well, makeup. I, I think it's I think it's like powders or something. Yeah. Although now I like the idea that she is like the soup witch. <laughs> like, like had Hecuba lived, she could have set up like a great little food stall somewhere. <laughs> All of her spells are soup based. So, so if I understand correctly from the film, the spell wears off overnight, which normally would imply that maybe it was cast, you know, in the morning. But apparently it's cast shortly before she goes to bed. And then I guess takes like eight or nine hours to really take hold. I think that's the reason why, quote unquote, the reason why, why Jack can't wake her up. Because obviously she is like entranced to just be in this weird dreamless sleep. Now, when you say Jack can't wake her up, that would imply that Jack at any point tries to wake her up. Which does not happen. (laughs) You know, He looks at her while she's asleep. Over the last few years, I feel like I have had a very open-minded <laughs> attitude towards all of the bullshit of your little fucking Micronaut show. And, uh, and I am getting I am getting a lot of pushback from an important part of my childhood that I shared with you, but also Jack is terrible anyway. I'm not really sure uh, what to take away from that. 
Jack's in the treasure room and Tulip arrives and summons to him oh a golden chicken, majestic, Lay. flappy. It tells it, Lay. And it poops out <laughs> a very dense orb, like ovoid uh, thud. It's a golden egg. The chicken. Oh. It is beautifully designed. <laughs> I love so that chicken. I don't even. It's like a sausage. <laughs> I, I I can't stress this enough. This is. I almost would recommend that you watch this movie with the volume turned very lower down and just play like Dark Side of the Moon or some shit <laughs> because the visuals are great. The hen poops out the golden egg. It falls with a very satisfying thud into the coins. It has weight and density. This I, this was a thing. This movie was a thing that was made with care. Aspects, at least, of it were made with care. Other things were like character motivation and script. But like at its heart, it looks kind of wonderful. And this, uh, this scene, I think, is one of the better looking scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The tulip then looks at a little snake or lizard or something. Something in his desk. He has a little chest of drawers that he keeps his his precious stuff in. I guess. Um, and uh, I caught this in the Japanese when I was I was sort of skipping. The- Kayla, I wouldn't. I don't want to say that she was like you can't watch this again in Japanese, but she was like I am going to go in the other room and close the door. And I was like I'm going to try and zip through this as quickly as possible. Uh, in this scene where he's rifling through his. Uh, 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 drawers of treasures he's humming to himself no one's happier than me which i found to be very oh, wow cute. i don't know if that's in the american version but it is definitely in the uh original japanese version so he pulls out a lizard and just looks at it puts it back in a drawer and then pulls out an action figure of his own mother well what a kind gift for his mother to have given him <laughs> it's got a wind-up key on the back it plays music <laughs> This song, uh, which I think I've been humming and zazzing throughout the episode and probably in the background, uh, this is not only one of my favorite things, uh, songs in the musical, it is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, uh, Corey, play as much of it as we can get away with without losing any audience members right now. Just a lazy, good-for-nothing lump of blah. You look like something someone left out in the rain. You're so mean and ugly, you should be against the law. You're a monster, you're just a pain. Scary, hairy, sloppy, floppy, you're an awful shock. That old face of yours would stop a clock. Any sort of clock. I wouldn't kiss that ugly mug of yours. No one would. If she could, you make me, yeah, sick, 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 sick. I thought you were worried about copyright, (laughs) and I was like, I don't think that's the problem. Oh, it's absolutely not. Uh, just tulips like laying on his belly, feet kicked up. Real pinup, like flirty. It's real. It's real. Like listen, like I, I'm just listening to some Bobby Vinton records and talking to Madge on the uh, princess phone. <laughs> I was just like, does maybe he doesn't understand 
like what she's saying, but then he starts getting mad. Just like, why are you doing this to yourself, buddy? It's real like five minutes hate or whatever yeah. from uh, 1984. <laughs> yeah. This song is, is, I will find myself in my life just be like, you're so mean and ugly. You should be against the law. Everybody's stupid. <laughs> and it's, uh, I, I, it's one of those that uh, I would love, uh, both of you speak some Japanese to an extent. I would actually love to hear what the actual translation of that song is i wonder mm-hmm. and I, i'm curious as to how far i'm curious kind of as to how far off any of this is from uh the dubbing is from the japanese so the song that they play when he's lounging on his cow definitely sounded to me like they maybe took a stab of translation at uh, translation of it for, from what i could make out which is not a lot that's cool. Also, his mom's voice in uh, Japanese is not incomprehensible. It's just so <laughs> like you think her you think her voice is bad in the English version. It's so high pitched and strident in the Japanese that I was like, are those even words? Jack's mother in this in a movie full of legit monsters is perhaps the greatest. Mo- like she is yeah. she is drawn as like a pudding with a head and these tiny little beady piggy eyes. And again, falls under the, the movie's uh, rubric of just like if you are ugly or not conventionally attractive, you are terrible and you are a terrible person. She's basically like the mother in law from the opening of Dragon's Lair 2, except without a Viking helmet. Wow. Hey, I can do deep cuts. Um, where are, oh, so, uh, so robot clockwork Hecuba sings the go fuck yourself song to Tulip, which he has assuredly heard many times before. And then he smashes it into a million pieces because the last line of the song is literally, you make me, yuck, sick, 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 sick. And then he smashes it into a million pieces, which I think any of us would do. How long do you figure he's had this thing for, though? Because he's like, does it self-repair or something? Like, what's what's going on with that? Does he smash it every day? He's got a drawer full of them. There's like 20. <laughs> Maybe he smashes it every day and then like the next day he goes back to look in the drawer and be like, at least that's over. And his mom's made him a new one. And she's like, no, your nightmare never ends. Or he had a giant drawer of them and the rest of them are just like, hey, Tulip, you're I mean, look, you're a pretty good guy, I guess. Oh, but I mean, and this is the worst just, one. It's, <laughs> it's like when Krusty's like, not all those little SOBs. Like oh. she was doing she was doing the record for the clockwork Hecubas. And then there was one that was just like. And you know what I really want to say to Tulip is he's so mean and ugly. He should be against the law. Oh. And the recording, it's like the tape of only Linda. Like the, the recording guy is like, <laughs> oh, keep this going. This is amazing. No, <laughs> Maybe it's more like um, Sister Ray and the recording guy was like, okay, you're still going. Like, I'm just going to go. Just record as long as you want. I don't care anymore. Adam, I have to say, all of your real Kagan appropriate references are a little Christmas gift to me, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that, that especially, uh, I do definitely have a playlist that is just all of the different versions of Sister Ray uh, from all of the different live albums, and it's a delightful thing nice. to just be real angry to for hours on end. Anyway, so, okay, so we smashed the Clockwork Hecuba. 
Uh, some stuff, you know, Jack and the mice and everybody are like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. They leave. Uh, <clears throat> best line in the movie, potentially. Mother can wear this when she milks the new cow. Yeah. Like, Jack's stealing treasure, <laughs> yeah. loading his pockets, getting a necklace. Jack walks away with a shit ton of treasure, as well he should. Jack's like, none of this is my problem. I, I am rich as fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like there's just some like vaguely plotty zizzing and zazzing. And then the next thing I remember is the kind of call to action part of the Joseph Campbell uh, hero's journey to which Jack is like, hey, or as an alternate uh, theory, everyone go fuck yourselves. I'm mad rich. He hides in a well and you're like, okay, so they're going to convince him to stay. And, and then, nope, cut to Jack at home dancing around like an asshole with his mom. Singing the worst song I've ever heard. Uh, I, I, there's a couple stops along that he does before he sings that terrible song. He sings a terrible song. They put him in armor. The mice like put him oh, in armor, right. and he and he's like, "All right, so let me get this straight. So what we're gonna do is me, a boy, my anthropomorphic dog, some mice, period, are going to take on a giant and an evil witch." Dun 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 dun. dun. Go fuck yourselves. I'm just a farmer boy. <laughs> And some armor that is too heavy for me to move around in. And he sings over, like, some weird Thelonious Monk outtake. Like, there is some hot motherfucking jazz in this movie yeah. that has right? nothing to do with the medley, uh, the melody that Jack is singing. And he's just mm. like, I'm a farmer boy. I'm going to fuck off and be rich. And meanwhile, the music is like... Like, like the trolley is going somewhere on uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's really not that I'm afraid to fight is not my trade. I milk the cows and the goats, and I give them their oats. There's no way that I can use my cattle in battle. This job is not for me, not for farmer He sings the big Go Fuck Yourself song, is about to leave Cloudland, passes the princess's bedroom on the way out, where she is dead asleep, but she's just, like, talking in her sleep <laughs> and, like, oh, I'm in trouble. Mom, Dad, oh, no, you're dead. Jack, hey, Jack, I hope you don't, like, run away with a big sack of chicken. Please help me. And Jack's like, wow, that's really sad. That's my Goodbye! name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think there's a scene of Tulip walking away for like 500 years. <laughs> yes. Like when he's hiding in the in the thing and Tulip's like, all right, I guess I'll leave. And they just like, it's like Ed Wood made this movie and he's like, well, I should animate the whole thing. Tulip, you, your master's on the other side. You want to go through the door. You're sa <laughs> not that sad. You know, you. in real life, Tulip would take that long to walk away. It'd be a real problem for him on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Um, uh, so Jack's back home. He and his mother sing the worst song in the world. We're so fucking rich. Suck it, the proletariat. We're bougie as fuck now. But up, 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 gold. Let's light every candle in the house. <laughs> It's so bad that it moves his dog 
to try to counteract it with the saddest possible song about, I don't know, the moon or something. Oh, moon, riding so high, we must agree, you and I. We throw back to Cloud Cuckoo Land briefly for a reprise, I think, of the No One's Happier Than Me song. But we get the sense that the princesses and Princess Margaret's real sad. And so we're supposed to like compare and contrast. Um. Things are still very bad in Cloudland, but Jack is an asshole. That is the worst part is that we cut away from this terrible song. And then <laughs> the movie was just like, we better hear the rest of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we wrote a more song. So guess what, guys? <laughs> Crosby's disgusted by all of this, goes outside and... For a brief three minutes, Achieve Sentience <laughs> sings a haunting song. And again, as like a little, it, it was sort of the same thing as like that weird bait and switch with uh, Atreyu's horse and Never Ending Story, which is like, oh, this is awesome. My man's got, uh, he's got a talking horse. Well, they're going to get into all kinds of scrapes in this movie. <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, no. <laughs> Or like Mary Poppins' uh, parrot umbrella, and at the end of the movie, yeah. it's like, uh, wait, that shit could talk? I feel so. It's that's it. it's like Crosby for three minutes can sing in a beautiful, haunting voice, and Jack comes running out and is like the rest. He's like all of us. He's like Crosby, you can like talk and do things. This is great. We're gonna have adventures with you. And Crosby's like, no, nah. bro, nah, guess not. Nah. I shot, I shot my load, guys. That's it. <laughs> oh, oh, look. Cut to the cow. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you started. I don't know what happened to that cow. <laughs> that cow could be dead by this point. We don't know what that guy did with that cow. I don't want to know. Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what it's probably happened with the cow? Good. Probably uh, he no. uh, started a synthesizer band. And the cow is now. Oh, God. So the cow is now playing the moon. <laughs> I hate you so much. She's got wraparound shades. We... I love me so much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. Um, it's Moog. It doesn't, doesn't matter at this point. It's <laughs> Moog over matter. Um, oh we're almost there. Yeah. We're almost there, everybody. Are we? I promise we're, we're going to be talking about your precious Micronauts and Cakes next week. But for now, uh, we're, 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 we're... Is Micronauts we're the closest you can get? I just like saying Micronauts. Yeah, okay, fair. They were so yeah. cool. Hey, if we were... It's, it's too bad we're not watching uh, Gavan because then you could make a Rom Space Night joke. It is. Crosby convinces Jack to go back up the beanstalk and interrupt a wedding yep. between Margaret and Tulip. Hey, uh, who's at this wedding, you guys? Who's who's in attendance? Oh, everybody. Every, everybody. So many people all the, all at the this cool wedding. <laughs> if as a child, your mind has not been broken already, Hecuba is getting ready for the wedding by putting paper cutouts in all of the pews and in front uh, where the uh, where the minister would be. And they are all haunting. They come to life as like, you know, those like arm waving inflatable guys in front mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of like used car places. That's kind of what they are, except with these. They're like a cross between those and uh, the bad robots from the old video game Berserk. It's like all of a sudden it's a Unico movie. 
it's either her singing this song or it's like the weird paper minister singing this song. The, it's the minister. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, you're here to have a wedding. Are you happy? <laughs> it's your wish to be married now. Am I right? Are you happy? Please say you're in love. Nobody says anything. Okay, great. Now you say it. <laughs> it's just, it's terrifying. It is legitimately terrifying. Not a thing for children. So you might be picturing this this weird paper um, minister as having, you know, a mouth that's like a, a horizontal line of some kind. That is incorrect. It is like a plus sign that opens like corner to corner. Like, like, I know a starfish mouth it's, or something. It's a crucifix. It's, it's the cross. It's awful. His, the, his mouth is the cross. <laughs> Please don't, you know, I say this every week, but I mean it. Don't listen to Adam. Oh, come Please. on. Please go. Just look at it with your eyes. Yeah. Please go. Just on imagine a, 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 a paper man with an octopus mouth and you're good. This, the very existence of us talking about this and saying this is on YouTube might get it pulled off of YouTube. So please, for the love of God, watch this while you can. It's a, This scene is astonishing. Um, Jack Dustin Hoffman's at the end of The Graduates. It yeah. jumps in through a window. He's like, Elaine! Mrs. Boogie. Uh, oh, did we, did we say what the cure to the magic spell is? Oh, right. Consensual oh. kissing. Oh, right, because there was a whole stupid harp scene. Again, bravery's kiss. I forgot about that. And he puts a gag on the harp, <laughs> which is just like a, like, I don't know, a scarf. Yeah. Again, it's the giant Disney movie machine <clears throat> held together with duct tape that keeps just like blowing gaskets and shit. It's like, I don't know, a kiss. So I guess what this means is that a seven year old <laughs> kisses a 17 year old. Uh, there's some, uh, oh God, there's some real, uh, there's some real Anakin Padme, uh, <sighs> <laughs> sort of electricity force in that first uh, terrible prequel oh, because they are no, definitely not the same age. I, you know what? Yeah, except you have to reverse the genders on that because Padme's definitely like, yeah, you're a little kid. Like that's, that's so cute. Whereas in this movie, Jack's like, um, what's going on? And Princess Margaret's like, oh my goodness, Jack, you're so great. He's like, I'm seven and I'm not ready for these. Unless feelings. Jack is seventeen, it's impossible. This is, this, I feel like I feel this is weird. I feel like when my mom hits me with the broom. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, the part specifically is like, no, if someone brave and courageous, and Jack's like, eh, I don't know if that's really me though. Oh, maybe just, Cro- oh, Crosby. <laughs> Crosby, we're going to put some peanut butter on her lips and we're going to get this done. It's like, well, I mean, I'm kind of scared of kissing her, so that might rule me out right away. His lips are like the size of her fucking eyes, so I don't know, man. There's, I'm not going to lie, folks. There are some scale and tone issues here. Um, but uh, Jack crosses his fingers and prays to be brave, kisses her full on the lips, and her eyes go from like blue and glossy to brown and glossy, which means that the spell has been lifted. She's like, "Hey, everyone, I feel great. I feel like I'm dancing on. I, I'm. I'm. I feel, oh God, where are my parents? You killed my parent. Like, there's a lot that this girl has to come to terms with very quickly. Yep. yep. So maybe that's why she's focusing on her so-called savior. Maybe that's just the easiest thing to deal with right now. Is that like someone 10 years younger than her just saved her life and 
You want to talk about the underpants? Tulip's all like mad and Hecuba's mad and Tulip looks like he's going to smash both of them. But then he goes and stomps on his mom instead. Is this where Hecuba is murdered? I think. And then it turns out she's clockwork too. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess. Of all of the things you set up in this movie that are not paid (laughs) off, the thing we should have been paying attention to is that maybe Hecuba's a robot. But before all of that, there is a moment in like a cave or some shit where Jack is like, hey, I got to tell you, all of this feels real weird and I'm sorry I kissed. He actually apologizes for kissing her without her consent. And she's like, "Ah, water under the bridge. And I don't even know what the fuck message that's sending. Oh, and he apologizes for stealing her treasure. And she's like, meh, it's cool. You did a good job. You can keep it. Also, they have so much treasure, they won't even notice. Normally, I'd be very cross about this, (laughs) but- We can just consider it your reward, even though you haven't technically saved me yet because there is still a witch and a monster trying to kill us and we are hiding in a ditch. (laughs) Now I think Hecuba is like, hey, you stupid fucking giant idiot, go get him. You suck. I hate you. Mouse brain simpleton. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And then he smashes. So he smashes her as he's always wanted to. And she's clockwork. And who the. I don't even begin to know what we're supposed. Was she clockwork? Did her spirit disappear and Hecuba is going to like come back in the sequel we're never going to get? Oh, like all that black smoke that like you're like, oh, this is a- OK. Now it's getting full anime. She's been released from her her earthly prison and shit's going to go down. She's going to turn to a, like a fucking dragon or something. And it's like, nope, just smoke into the sky. And then the clouds part and there's a stupid happy song and everything's good, I guess. Oh, no, that black smoke just means they picked a new Hecuba. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, nice. hey, dick face, got a riddle for you. No. Wait, what? Which one of us are you talking to? I hope it's Adam. <laughs> I think she's not talking to me. <laughs> yeah, well. I've been recording a long time and this would be the first time she's called me dick face. So Jack tries to make Tulip very angry by <laughs> posing the worst, worst riddles <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> Hey, dumbass, why are you so dumb? Because you're a dummy, dumbass. There's a brief period where, like, every, you know, you get that kind of almost that whiz number, brand new day, where everybody's like, we're people again, and blah, blah, blah. And then everybody goes at the same time, like, oh, right, there's still a giant angry monster to contend with. (laughs) We're only halfway there. So Jack turns into, like, Triumph the Insult comic dog, except with, like, blunt force trauma. And, yes, and just, like, lays these riddles like, hey, who's stupid in his shit? You, you stupid shit. Like, it's just it is yes. terrible. At which point the movie takes its 900 millionth right-hand turn and goes full fucking Chuck Jones. Yes. Tulip turns into a train and Crosby paints on the side of a wall, a tunnel and Tulip crashes into it. And they're singing this song. that's just like, you are so stupid. Tulip. Yeah. You are jerk head. Tulip. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It was actually very catchy. You're chicken hearted. Tulip. Can't you get started? Tulip. You'll never match us. Tulip. Come on or you'll never catch us. 
very catchy. And there are so many uh, couplets that end with the syllable arded that you think at any moment they are going to pull out an insult that none of us are allowed to use anymore. Oh, uh, right. And shouldn't. But <laughs> you're just sitting there like, oh, my God, they're going to use that word. And they never do, thank God. But they come real fucking close. Mm. So that whole song happens. And Tulip is still not disposed at the end of it, which is weird. You would think that song would end with Tulip like, and now Tulip's dead. A bunch of things other, a bunch of other things happen now. I think now is when the mice turn back into humans. Crosby has a tender moment with the mouse that we understand that both he and Adam were sweet on. She mm-hmm. turns into a perfectly lovely young woman. Mm, she's who fine. Will only. Gr- She'll grow into her beauty. She has a lot of face that she hasn't quite adjusted to. Her blush game is strong. Yes, granted. Uh, she looks like she'd be real into like, uh, you know, vinyl and indie rock and going out to, uh, you know, places with a lot of awesome craft. I'd hang out with her. All right. She I'm not saying cool. she's bad. I'm just saying she was cuter as a mouse, which I think is probably true of literally everybody. Valid. And Jack's like, hey, so Margaret, you're going to now come back with me to Earth and we can just hang out and I guess we're into each other. And I don't know how that works because I'm somewhere between seven and 17 and I've been hit with a broom. I've been hit with a broom a lot. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And Margaret's like, no, I mean, this is like my kingdom. So I think I'm going to stay here. And then Jack goes through 78 emotions. (laughs) influenced and inspired he's just like how dare you you said we were friends blah, blah, blah. i can't believe this uh, but also you know what i'm fine with it i sat on this heart for like um like a good two seconds and i i've come to terms with this and it's fine and i gotta go and also wait was there a giant chasing us i like a floral name like daffodil Ooh, it's right there Hey, mom, get the axe. <laughs> Jack and Crosby give Tulip the slip. Tulip chases them down the hill, uh, the, the beanstalk, rather. You know, that beanstalk takes like, supposedly takes like two days to climb the first time. And like, I don't know, 15 minutes the second time. And like getting down, it's real fast. Yeah. Goes back and, hey, mom, get the axe that we have that thankfully you've never used on me. <laughs> <laughs> so far <laughs> not to axe play yet he t- oh i hate it i hate it so much uh that's that axe cop slash fic that you've all been waiting for <laughs> except except i guess that would be hack fic anyways uh, oh. yeah um i see it's a moog cow Stop. um Anyways, uh, Jack heroically uh, is the only heroic thing I might add. The only actual active action. No, that no he, he kisses. He kisses the princess too. That's his other thing you're he gets to do. You're absolutely that was right. Canonically brave. Yeah, <laughs> within within the canon. I got to tell you, kissing is kissing's brave. Every time I kiss my wife, I'm like, I can't believe I did it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, Jack chops down the beanstalk. The beanstalk turns to... No, 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 no. Well, okay. You say chop, Jack chops down the beanstalk, and I feel like maybe our listeners are picturing Jack like hacking away at a really big beanstalk, which is what it is. What actually happens is Jack takes like the tiniest swipe at like the smallest vine on the bottom of the beanstalk, and somehow that destroys the entire fucking thing. So he does the minimum possible. 
It's the weak point for massive damage. I want to see. Yes, exactly. He rolled. He, just, he rolled a he nat rolled 20 a on his fucking axe swing. <laughs> yes, he rolled. Yeah. Uh, he takes, he does, he takes one little boop, and the whole thing turns into just fucking old ass tobacco leaves. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and Tulip, who I can't stress this enough, was too ugly to live. Yes. Much too ugly. Was working under the influence of his legal guardian who steered him wrong his entire life was very obviously upset because even though he was in the wrong, he was just he was just sort of under his mother's influence. Tulip Falls. There's also a question uh, we want to talk about, like the size of the beanstalk is somewhat indeterminate uh the distance tulip is between cloudland and the whole the cold hard earth also very indeterminate because it seems like tulip's like maybe six feet away (laughs) from just grabbing jack and eating him like a like a meat emoji jack chops the beanstalk and then tulip falls ten hundred million thousand miles it's like he's in the upper stratosphere at this point. It really is. It's like he fucking attempted re-entry yeah, I'm surprised, without a I'm surprised castle. he didn't catch on fire. That's the only I'm, I'm sure somebody at the studio was like, well, we haven't catch on fire. And that was the point where the director was like, uh, too much. Too much. No, that wouldn't be realistic. <laughs> this is this is naturalistic film. Tulip falls to what can only be assumed to be his terrible, bone-shattering death. Epilogue. <laughs> nothing has changed. <laughs> Literally nothing. Jack still has to get up and do all the shit. It's like, guys, do you know? Do you know what money is and how you use it? Just, just curious. Oh yeah, no. This is what when you get a lot of money, what you do is you light every candle in the house, <laughs> and then you sing the worst song known to man, uh, and then you just get up the next morning and you hit your kid with a broom. <laughs> and I guess you like you go into. T- Go into town and buy some actual food. And you're like, all right, but we still need water. Go get water. There's no food for you. Jerk in the beanstalk. Incredible. Yeah, take that. Mm. Take that movie. And then there's a really nice moment that I think is ruined by the dubbing. And I didn't think to check the Japanese version. Jack is like running out to do his chores. And Crosby is just kind of sitting on a little hill, staring up at the clouds And Jack's like, what's wrong, boy? And then Jack just stares at the clouds as well. And then his mouth doesn't move. And but there's a thing on the track that's just like, yes, I miss them, too. But there's this this split second where you imagine it almost being this beautiful. There are moments of beauty in this movie. We've had a lot of fun with it. But I think there are actually like really gripping moments. And this is one of them where the two of them are just sharing this unspoken kind of like looking at the clouds and both of them thinking like, yeah, I guess all of that happened and we made a bunch of friends and we're never going to see them again. Uh, and it's, it is the closest I think this movie gets to an actual emotion. That's not terror or annoyance. Uh, and then it is immediately broken where Jack's like, well, I got to run around and fart or whatever. And then he just, (laughs) and then he just runs off to just check the trap for rabbits or whatever the fuck. Oh no. Mm -hmm. You know what? They're subsisting on giant meat for a while. Probably. Oh, I don't Ooh. think I don't think Tulip landed anywhere near. Like he landed in the forest. 
the extended universe version of this movie <laughs> is the story of the guy who is just minding his own business. <laughs> and a giant fell on him. Right. It's like the beginning of Magnolia. No, it'd be the bean seller. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bean seller will get squished. Oh, yeah. That, that would at least have tied things together. And then the cow escapes and goes home. That would have, yeah. that would have almost worked. I think at its core, this movie is about managing expectations. <laughs> you mean the expectation of the viewer? That's one of them. <laughs> okay. You have to you have to realize that this movie is just talking directly to you. It's just like there's there's no miracles. Even getting rich won't change anything. If you're ugly, you should die. Yeah. Uh, hey, you remember like an hour and a half ago when we said we were just gonna not summarize the whole movie? We did it. I was just I just I just yeah. was remembering back back to those happier moments stop of it my from life. Happening. <laughs> So that's it. That's Jack and the Beanstalk, a very important part of my childhood and probably one of the reasons why I'm weird. Thank you for watching it. It's my gift to you. You know, Happy holidays, my friends. You know what, Josh? What's up, buddy? Thanks for showing us this movie. I appreciate it that You're it was welcome. part of your childhood. I also have have things that I'm like, did that really happen that I've revisited later? And like, all right, cool. So good on you. And maybe the next look, the next holiday comes around. Maybe we can uh, share, you can share one of those with us. Yeah, I'll make you watch the bed. <laughs> Don't look it up. Okay, I won't. Uh, we did it. Final thoughts, everyone. Pretty great, right? It's probably the greatest Definitely. movie. Definitely. I hate, I yeah, hate that I've watched yeah, this, and I hate that I will remember it for, for my entire life, and I hate that I spent two hours uh, talking about it. Oh, Merry man, Christmas. I feel, so, I feel so much better about getting through these last 20 episodes of <laughs> whatever the fuck. Whatever show you're watching. I'm going to enjoy going back through the whole movie and picking up the songs to oh God. place in, in this podcast. <laughs> yep, it's great. Hey, wait, were there people we wanted to thank in real time because this is an episode that we have not banked? Didn't we want to say nice things about people who have done fan art and stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we did, but that episode isn't coming out for like two two months at least. Yeah, so, sure. yeah. Uh, thank you to Paranundrox for the cool sketches and art and all of our other listeners who have sent in words of support and kindness. And the actual human beings that you, Corey, did you meet them at PAX or some sort of thing? Like, weren't you at like a con and people were like, hey, I acknowledge that you have a podcast. Yeah, I've, I've met people at conventions, PAX West, uh, PAX Unplugged. And uh, while I was at Desert Bus, people were asking questions about it. So thank you. Think, think, happy holidays to everyone who listens to this, if you celebrate them. And if you don't, happy December. God bless us, everyone. Happy thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be back next week on our usual bullshit. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Josh Kagan. Uh, you can find me at Josh A. Kagan on uh, Instagram.com. Uh, I'm Adam Wasserman. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Gold Sarcasm. And I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Absalar. Bye. Bye. Happy thing. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Bum, bum.